Welcome to Uncle Bob's Magic Cabinet, a mother-daughter podcast about all things magic and mythology and pop culture. going on what's happening nothing what are you giggling about already i'm giggling because we actually have a real life story hey hey everyone we left the house so we actually have like something fucking happened to us because we actually left our house and of course it's funny because the two of us are just we can't be trusted no we can't no we're so naive and silly okay so we're like you had the day off. Mm-hmm. I had the day off. We're like, let's go out. Let's go thrifting a little yes. bit. We haven't been out in a while. We've been really sad the last few mm-hmm. weeks. Mm-hmm. Fact check, Jake's birthday's coming up. So we're yep. like, let's go shopping. You we know? needed 70s ensembles for our upcoming photo shoot. Oh, my God. Yeah. Side <laughs> note, we're doing a photo shoot for Uncle Bob's and our website and everything. Mm-hmm. And we're, so we have to find 70s garb. Yeah. So yeah. we were out on the hunt. We were okay? on the we hunt. We were thrifting. hmm and so we went like about an hour outside of the city yes, uh, to a little town and we passed this restaurant, okay, <laughs> Yeah, called Twin Peaks. Right. And both of us obviously were yeah. like, oh my God, it's a Twin Peaks themed restaurant. Oh my gosh, I can't wait to go see the memorabilia. I, I literally said to you, oh my God, I wonder if they have like, do they have the Log Ladies Log? Like what's <laughs> going on in here? Is, is it Cal McLaughlin in there? Is, is Cal McLaughlin <laughs> merchandise in there? Can I get a t-shirt? <laughs> Because you have to remember, A, obviously we're pop culture nerds. Yes. So my mind and yours yes. immediately went to Twin Peaks, the show. B, we, we love a gift shop. We, we love a fucking gift <laughs> shop. I do. I love a knickknack. <laughs> and we're in Washington where Twin was Peaks say, was filmed. And C, we're in Washington where Twin Peaks is, you know, based. Mm-hmm. And so, again, why wouldn't it be Twin Peaks themed? Right. Okay. And so we said... Let's go there for lunch. Oh, yeah. Now, we have not sat down in a restaurant. No, we haven't. Since since all of this, you know, happened. Yeah, so we're like, you know, let's live on the edge. Let's go and enjoy a nice meal because it's Twin Peaks themed. How can we not? I love it. And anyone from Washington is probably listening to this right now going, (laughs) oh, no. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) So we go, we thrift, and we're like, we're getting hungry. Let's go and sit down for a little nosh. So... You know, and on, from, the, from the outside, huh? it looks like a log cabin. A lodge. Which, if you know Twin Peaks, this all makes <laughs> sense. This all makes fucking sense. And the logo is two little mountains. Yes. Again, makes fucking sense if yeah. you know the mm-hmm. show. So we're walking in, and I'm like, oh. You know, they really went with the outdoor theme. Here. Yeah. They yeah. really did. Mm-hmm. You know, we're looking around. There's some, you know, dead animals stuffed on the wall, which we I don't like. Yeah. I was like, is this the Black Lodge? Laura's like, oh, my God. They decked it out to look like the Black Lodge. I'm like, oh, my God. It's the Great Northern. Wow. They really went for it. And then I'm looking around, and I'm like, okay, I'm seeing some, like, <laughs> questionable things. I'm like. Skimpy ensemble. Yeah, the waitress comes over, and I'm like, there are your boobs. <laughs> And, and like, hey, that's fine. And I'm like, okay. And then another waitress comes over and I'm like, there are your boobs. And then I'm like paying closer attention. I'm really looking around and I'm looking at some of the, you know, signage throughout the restaurant. And it's also women dressed scantily. And I look at Laura and I go, Laura, we're in like a Hooters. We just walked into like Washington's equivalent of a Hooters. So our idea of what Twin Peaks means and Twin Peaks. Get it? Boobs? The two peaks? So we are in this restaurant and we're like, okay, all right. Like we didn't know. Too embarrassed to turn around and walk out. So embarrassed just because we didn't know. Like I don't give a shit, but like we had no, we thought we were walking into like, you Memorabilia. Know, a pop culture themed restaurant and no, it's like a boob themed restaurant and ass cheeks. <laughs> 
got to enjoy my chicken sandwich with some clapping cheeks. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we were like the only two females we in there. We were the only two females in there. It was very like, um, it wasn't our vibe. I'm just going to put it out there. Country music was oh, playing. Oh, yes. Fishing <laughs> and hunting seemed to be kind mm-hmm. of the theme. Mm-hmm. Also, um, yeah, so there was, you know, a restaurant full of younger men. Um, and then me and Lore, who they shoved in the yeah. corner because they were like, we know that you did not mean to come to this establishment. And they so did not like, even wait on us. No, they didn't. They're like, we know what you're here for. And it wasn't this. So <laughs> enjoy your water <laughs> and be on your way. So uh, that's what happened to us. I felt so dumb. So dumb. And then you told your friend. Yeah. Who's from Washington. Yeah. And they were like, oh, honey, no. <laughs> Like, why? 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 This is information that would be helpful before. I will now look at, um, you know, I will will go on Google because afterwards I was like, what's going on here? And I looked it up on Google and yeah, very clearly from the website, very clearly was not a Kyle McLaughlin themed restaurant. (laughs) And, you know, with one quick Google search, could have found that out. And you were like curses you I was you, like, you, you knew exactly what you were doing you knew what you were doing in washington naming a restaurant twin peaks you knew what you were fucking doing and you got me you got me good <laughs> i fell into the trap <laughs> there were no there i were, stayed i ate some fucking tacos you know there, was, there were got, no souvenirs there there were no fucking souvenirs <laughs> just a lot of boobs and that's fine but like fucking hell <laughs> just was you can't take us anywhere no you can't i'm i'm so naive it's always a good time. And then, like, after we were in there, I was like, why did they name it Twin Peaks? And I was like, you dumb bitch. <laughs> Get it together. Oh, my gosh. So funny. So I am a little sad that it wasn't an actual Twin Peaks. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. We could always go to the Double R. Yeah. And visit, you know, the Which actual- we go to often. Love yeah. the coffee. So <laughs> That is a damn fine cup of coffee. Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. If you're ever in Washington, you know, don't be fooled. By the Twin Peaks restaurant, mm-hmm. like we were. Right. There's our tale. There you go. Um, I also have a little straw update that Uh-oh. I want to throw in here. Uh-oh. Okay. okay. Mm-hmm. So remember mm-hmm. a few weeks ago, we discussed that <laughs> you constantly clog my straws, my reusable straws with your gross ass smoothies. <laughs> I had so many people DM, DM Mm -hmm. us like, okay, like get the little straw that cleans them, Mm -hmm. get the silicone straws, blah, Mm -hmm. blah, blah. And let me tell you why that's not going to work. I sit down (laughs) the other day. I put my straw on my beverage. Mm -hmm. I'm Mm -hmm. chilling. I go to take a little sip. And what comes out? Chunky, warm, old. Smoothie. Smoothie touched my lips. It touched my, it was like a horror scene. Jake was like, what's wrong? And I like ran to the faucet and like rinsed my mouth out because it was old and chunky and I'm mortified. And I was like, throw that in the fucking trash right now. Lord, you have ruined every single straw. It's a fermented blueberry came up out of there. I'm mortified. I'm like literally, I'm getting heated again. Joe Pesci, calm down. I I know. My Joe Pesci is coming out because I'm like, why? Rinse the straw. So it won't matter if it's silicone or not because she has to drink her thick ass smoothies in them and not wash them. What did you tell me? Make sure to blow before. Blow out out before you blow in. Blow out before you suck Suck in. in. (laughs) TM. Yeah, TM. Blow out. Before you suck in. Wow. Words to live by. <laughs> Put that on a fucking t-shirt. There you go. So there's your update. I have, you know, I got some silicone straws. I will let you know how that goes. How mm-hmm. long do you think before you ruin those? Do you want to mm-hmm. give a guess? I don't know. I haven't even had time to make my smoothie. I'm feeling smoothie depleted and <laughs> it makes me sad. <laughs> my straws, thank you for that. So I'll update you next time when she demolishes another straw. So There you go. All right, so every week we have been picking an organization that needs a little shout-out that we're going to be donating to. Uh, So, Jake, what do we have this week? This week is the Know Your Rights Camp. Their mission is to advance the liberation and well-being of black and brown communities through education, self-empowerment, mass mobilization, and the creation of new systems that elevate the next generation of change leaders. All right, so that will be linked below if you want to check it out. And also, if you have an organization that you want to recommend, you can always reach out to us on Instagram. It's a good place to do that. All right, so 
With that. With that. Are you fucking ready? I am ready. I'm excited about my topic today. It's different. We're going a little different. I'm excited about mine too. Oh my gosh. All right. So I'm going to start and I'm going to talk about Jimi Hendrix in numerology. I love it. Okay. Cool tie. Cool tie. Yeah. Did you expect it? I did not. All right. I did not. Let's get into it. So first I'm going to start. My flow is going to be a little different. Okay. There's a lot going on with this topic, a lot of numbers and dates. So, you know, just try to keep up, bitch. All right. <laughs> get your notepad and pencil out. Yes. All right. So let's start with Jimi Hendrix and kind of who he is and why he's important. Love it. Okay. Jimi Hendrix, born Johnny Allen Hendrix on November 27th, 1942 in Seattle, Washington. Love that. Oh, come on, Seattle. You're the best. He is a Sagittarius sun, Cancer moon, and Sagittarius rising. You know, I had to look up the big three. I like that. that. I like that. That is like, yeah, I, that is such an interesting combo combo. and I'm here for it. All right. He was later renamed James Marshall Hendrix. Then obviously became known as Jimi Hendrix. Jimmy. Jimmy. At a young age, Jimmy was drawn to music, and his early influences include Helen Wolf, Robert Johnson, and Muddy Waters. Love it. All right. Even more so, he seemed drawn to the guitar. So his father gifted him an acoustic guitar, then eventually an electric guitar, and the rest Ooh, is history. History. Jimmy joined some bands, including the Velvetones and the Rocking Kings, but then enlisted in the Army in 1961. This date seems kind of disputed, but 1961 came up the most. Okay. He was eventually discharged due to an injury and jumped right back into music. Love it. All right. Like, can you imagine if he didn't? Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. No. So by 1965, he was relatively well-known as a session guitarist, playing for stars like Sam Cooke and Little Richard. I didn't know that. I did know that. I think that that's very, very cool. Mm -hmm. He then went on to start another band before eventually landing in London with the newly formed Jimi Hendrix Experience, a psychedelic rock group in 1966. I love that. The other members were Noel Redding on bass and Mitch Mitchell on drums. Mitch Mitchell. Mitch Mitchell. I love that. What a great name. Great name. All right. They're Gabriel. (laughs) What was that? Debute. I can never speak. All right, their debut album was Are You Experienced, which is now considered one of the best rock albums of all time. Oh, so good. So good. The Jimi Hendrix experience exploded all over the UK and eventually the United States, and by 1967, they were huge. From there, Jimi Hendrix just didn't stop. He built Electric Lady Studios in New York City, which I want to go to yes, so it's bad. On the list. I wonder if you can like tour it. I think it is a tourist attraction. Is now. it? Because I, I know it so. still operates as right. a studio. So I wonder if you can just like go in. Oh my god, do they have a gift shop? Stop it. <gasps> oh my gosh, they probably do. Well, so- we do audio, so we could actually record there at some <gasps> point. Ooh. Jacob. Jacob. I love where your mind goes. When we're making the big bucks, we can (laughs) afford some studio time at Electric Lady. Oh, my God. Stop it. I'm so excited. Film an episode there. (gasps) Ooh, something to look forward to. Love it. So from my understanding, um, Electric Lady was commissioned by Jimi Hendrix in 1968, but it didn't open until 70. Okay. All right. But by 1969, the Jimi Hendrix experience was no more. Oh, no. All right. He played solo for a little bit. He obviously played at Woodstock. Yes. Um, and he also joined a trio known as the Band of Gypsies. Ooh. However, have no fear. The Jimi Hendrix Experience joined back up together in 1970 and were working on new music when Jimi died unexpectedly on September 18th, 1970 at the age of 27. Very sad. Yes. He is buried in Renton, Washington. All right, so there is some mystery surrounding his death, which I didn't necessarily know. Um, However, it is stated that he died from asphyxiation on his own vomit after taking sleeping pills. Mm -hmm. All right? Yeah. Uh, Jimi Hendrix is known as one of the most influential musicians of all time and obviously one of, if not the best guitarist of all time. Mm -hmm. He wrote most of his own material and is also known for his songwriting abilities. Yeah. With his lyrics, he explored love, depression, expanding your mind, fantasy, the counterculture movement, and just life in general. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great. Great. Known for his tone, creativity, innovation, dedication to music, individuality, technique, freedom freedom of expression, style, and unique sound. Dude, I love his style so much. Oh, my God. The coolest. Love it. The cool. And, like, I feel like no one has ever looked like him. Oh. You know what I yeah, mean? I- 
Absolutely. We were just at the Mopop last week, and they had one of his necklaces. One of his necklaces, his vest. Yeah, just so cool. Totally unique. He was like one of a kind. Yeah. Um, He pushed the boundaries of psychedelic rock and created a unique mix of soul, rock and roll, folk, jazz, blues, etc. And he did so seemingly effortlessly. Yeah. I do want to note that, like, everything I was reading said that he was, like, extremely dedicated to his craft. Like, he practiced all the time. He was really involved. So it seemed effortless. And the talent was. But mm -hmm. he was, like, really hardworking. Yeah, yeah. Um, he was doing something new, but was very clearly influenced by music that he loved. Jimmy challenged society's roles, broke the mold, and expanded everyone's mind with his music, lyrics, and overall persona. Love it. Yes. Such a great talent. Jimmy and his music were entrancing, sexual, mystifying, and powerful. And he was just one of those people that he was just like effortless, effortlessly cool. Yeah. And uh, talented. I can't talk today, so you're just going to have to fucking ignore me. <laughs> I like cannot get words out of my mouth. Drink more coffee. Exactly. He, yeah, we're filming in the morning yeah. again, which yeah. you know how that goes. But he just demanded attention. And I have to say, so I woke up today. It's been a struggle for me recently. We've talked about it. And mm-hmm. I just wasn't feeling it. I just wasn't feeling like myself and I was just feeling kind of icky and so to get in the zone to record I just put on his music and holy shit like there is just something about him and his music mm-hmm. and I mean the Jimi Hendrix experience right you know, the, the yeah. trio but I it makes you feel sexy and powerful yeah. and just very like I don't know it's just he transforms yeah. my attitude I can't yeah. speak for everyone but when I put him on I, I just feel like in my own power which I think is really rare yeah. he so, radiates cool cool yeah yeah and just like he makes you think like some of his songs you're like wait what is he talking about right. and he does make you expand your thought mm-hmm. process and it, it just like sexy and cool and powerful yeah and I don't know if I can pinpoint anyone else that makes me feel that very specific type mm-hmm. of vibe like Jimi Hendrix's yeah. music does mm-hmm. just very powerful I like, yeah, I and like, like I know what you're saying. But my own power. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, like sometimes you'll listen to people and you're like, oh, they're so, you mm-hmm. know, but he makes me feel like that. Yeah. Which I just think is like, that's fucking amazing. I kind of feel that way about Janis Joplin a little. Mm, yeah. I can see that. Yeah. yeah. There was something about that era too, yeah. just because people, like, it was, yeah. I don't know. She, she was just so raw. Yes. You know? But I feel like that about him too, like, just so powerful and just himself. Like, he yeah. was just himself no yeah. matter what. Right. And I always admire that quality. Mm-hmm. All right, so popular songs include Purple Haze, Foxy Lady, The Wind Cries Mary, Castles Made of Sand, Bold as Love, Fire, All Along the Watchtower, Are You Experienced, Hey Joe, Red House, and If Six Was Nine. Ooh. All right. His career really only lasted around four years. I know. Isn't that Isn't insane? That- crazy it's absolutely crazy to me because he changed the face of rock and roll as Mm -hmm. people knew it Mm -hmm. and has influenced pretty much every rock musician and guitar player that has come after him yeah and he was only doing that for like four years yeah well it's funny because we were just at the mopop right and there was this huge pearl jam exhibit Mm -hmm. so it was all the famous people of you know seattle right um and I, re- I remember you commenting, they must have saved every, like, ticket stub. For uh, Pearl Jam? Yeah. Yeah. Because it was huge. Right. And then when you got down to Jimi Hendrix, it was so small, but because his career was so short. So short. Like, and how influential he was. I mean, it's yeah. just bonkers it's, to think about yeah. that. The impact he had in such a small amount, amount of time. time. Yes. It's wild. Yeah. So here's where I'll say, if you are ever in Seattle... Go to the Mopop, go and see his exhibit. They have guitars and clothes, like we said, and just, it's very inspiring. It's gorgeous. Very inspiring. Okay, so this leads me to our topic today. Yeah. So Jimi Hendrix seemed to be a relatively spiritual person and always seemed to be in search of something. Mm -hmm. Uh, He believed in reincarnation, transcendental meditation, and dream work. Mm Mm-hmm. His great-grandmother was Cherokee, and he seemed to be really connected to those Native American roots. Wow. Um, and he was said to have very vivid dreams. Oh, and wow. I didn't know this because we've talked, yes. like, I'm very, you know, I do a lot of my work with dreams. Yes. Um, and he wrote down his dreams, which then would become his songs. Oh, my gosh. That's awesome. Isn't that really cool? And you can kind of tell, now that I know that and I was listening, I'm like, I can kind of, I can see that. Mm -hmm. Um, It is believed that he was also interested in magic, the occult, and the supernatural due to some of his songs, lyrics, and documented conversations. Love it. 
A lot of people note that you can really see this being explored in the Jimi Hendrix Experience's second album, Axis, Bold as Love. Love it. All right, so on this album is a song titled If Six Was Nine, which kind of led me to numerology. I love it. Ooh. I love that connection. So Jimmy's last girlfriend, Monica Daneman, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right, probably not knowing me, she wrote a book entitled The Inner World of Jimi Hendrix, and she wrote about his belief in numerology. Oh, cool. So Jimmy strongly believed that specific numbers, words, and names all carried a lot of power and was very influenced by numerology. I love that. So what the fuck is numerology? Girl, I hope you're going to tell me because I do not know anything about numerology. No, nothing. Or yeah. before this, yeah. I knew nothing. And I will start by saying this topic is very in-depth. So you're going to get like numerology for dummies here. I'm just like <laughs> scratching the surface because it was one of those topics where I was like, oh, shit, in order to get here, I would need to explain this and this mm-hmm. and this. And it's very complex and complicated. So we're going to try to like simplify it simplify. and we can expand later. This okay. is going to need a few parts. This is probably. your intro. This is my intro to numerology. All right, so numerology is defined as the belief in the divine or mystical relationship between a number and one or more coinciding events and the study of numbers and their influence on our lives. Oh, interesting. All right. Uh, It was used by the Greeks, Egyptians. It's in Kabbalah. There's a Chinese system of numerology, an Indian system, an Arabic system. I mean, you can find it in a bunch of different cultures. Seems important. It does. Generally, I'm just going to say that it can be seen in most occult practices too. Okay. With numerology, it is believed that numbers carry energy and that each has a unique and individual vibration that can affect things in various ways. Which that is very interesting, interesting. to me. Interesting. Um, the thought is that numbers are everywhere and they're all around us in the letters in your name, your birthday, your age, your phone number, and they all have meaning. Cool. By learning the meaning of these numbers and how they relate to your life, you can use them as a guide to offer insight, learn more about your path, look into the future, etc. I'm on it. You're on. She's like, oh shit! Now I'm a numerologist. <laughs> Watch me work, bitch. All right, so I do want to mention repeating numbers because this is originally why I wanted to tap into this, but this is like a whole nother fucking thing. Is it? Yes, Laura. I was like, damn it. I've been seeing repeating numbers. I know you have. So repeating numbers, often also referred to as angel numbers. Ooh. Okay, or master numbers. I've I've seen a lot of different terms. Okay. Um, And synchronicities with numbers are said to occur when the universe is trying to give you a message. Basically, she's asking you to pay attention snap out of it uh, because she's trying to help guide you nice all right um so each number obviously has a different meaning right uh you can use numerology to dive into the meaning behind the specific numbers but Hmm. they can also just mean something to you individually oh okay okay so for me with the repeating numbers I see 1121 all the time. Mm-hmm. I see threes, and those have, like, meaning for me in my life. So right. they don't necessarily have to be, like, what numerology is stating that mm-hmm. they mean, mm-hmm. but you can do either. Right. All right, so numerology charts are a thing, and they are similar really? to your astrology chart, from my understanding. They are based on your birthday and your name. My, you, you can see my eyes. I'm like, so what would that be? A numerologist. A numerologist, yeah. Like an astrologer. Yeah, so you oh. can go. And I'm sure there are people that will do your numerology chart Ooh. if you are interested in we that. We have to go. We have to go. We have to do it we now. To, we have to find one. I know. Um, so these corn numbers will influence you just like the signs in your astrology chart and will most likely reflect your strengths, weaknesses, character traits, etc. Cool. I know. Who doesn't like to take a deeper dive into that shit? I do. I love it. Uh Uh-huh. So not going to get into the entirety of a numerology chart, like I said, because it's it's complex. And there's different, just like there's, you know, your Venus and this and that. There's like all different things. We're going to focus on a few aspects. Okay. We're going to talk about single digits and we're going to talk about life path numbers. Love that. All right. Are you ready? need a life path number. You, You have one. I, I didn't know. do it for you. I know you're looking at me. You're like, if you don't fucking tell me, I'm so sorry. <laughs> We're going to have to pause so I can get Laura's life path number. All, All right. right. So single digits are kind of like the base of numerology. Okay. So one through nine. Any number can be made into a single digit or root number by adding together the individual numbers. Mm, so, okay. for example, if you take 81, 
it would be 8 plus 1, and you get 9 is okay. your base number. Here are some word associations for numbers 1 through 9. Okay. Okay, and I'm going to like, I'm going to fucking. You're going to speed around. All right, number one, innovation, independence, authority, determination. And the poop side. So I have a good side <laughs> and I have the shitty side to each thumbs number. Up, thumbs down. So thumbs down, control, intolerance, competition, and aggression. Number two, intuition, unity, healing, harmony, and understanding. The shit side, jealousy, insecurity, hypersensitivity. But okay. did the numbers appear upside down? How do you know if it's... No, no, no. It's just like, you know how every sign has good traits and bad. This is like the the good traits and then the not so great associations. I'm with you. All right. Number three, which is like one of my favorite numbers. Communication, imagination, charisma, creativity, humor, melodrama, scattered, attention seeking. Hmm. All right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You're like, (laughs) damn it. All right. Number four, loyalty, practicality, focus, grounding, organization. Stubborn, inflexible, pessimistic. That must be related to Earth. No, I'm just kidding. Hey. <laughs> what? Mm. Stubborn, grounded. What? <laughs> All right. Number five. Curiosity, adaptability, adventure, action, versatility, resourcefulness, unfocused, addictive, dramatic. Mm. Number six. Protective, dependable, love, support, reliability, critical, bossy, perfectionist. Ooh. Ooh. Number seven, spirituality, knowledge, wisdom, intellect, technicality, intuition. Intuition. (laughs) Intuition. I wanted to build that one up. (laughs) Just wanted to build it up. Uh, But also secretive, suspicious, and cynical. Mm. Number eight, which is my all-time favorite number. It is. I love an eight. Ever since you were a kid. I know. Um, Ambition, endurance, strength, self-motivation, drive, manipulation, intimidation, and pushy. (gasps) Number nine, last one, tolerance, support, compassion, sympathetic, passionate, kind, unforgiving, melodramatic, defensive. All right. Hmm. So there are just a few word associations. Obviously, it goes way deeper than that. Way deeper. But again, who's got the fucking time? I'm getting the basic understanding. Okay, good. All right. So now that you know that, let's talk about life path numbers. Let's do. All right. This is like the big shebang of your numerology chart. Okay. And it will be a number one through nine. Okay. Awesome. Um, who are you? Where are you going? Who are you working to become? I ask myself that every <laughs> I day. I don't fucking know, bitch. You tell me. Fucking life path number. Oh, tell me. Tell exactly. me. Exactly. It basically the life path number seems very similar to your big three. Okay. Or your sun sign. Okay. From my understanding, it helps you predict possible bumps in the road, find your purpose, etc. Mm-hmm. All right. To calculate is relatively simple. Oh. Relatively, because so you know you me. Say- you know me in math. I'm like. <laughs> Jake said that all through this, I was that meme from the guy from It's Always Sunny when he's trying to like fucking figure out that's me with numbers. numbers. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> all right. So you take your birthday's numerical value, add them together by day, month, and year. You keep adding those together until you end up with a single digit. Okay. Okay. Now there is an exception. Okay. okay? And this is where it gets kind of confusing for me because I was getting conflicting information. Okay. All right, so there are master numbers, okay? Master numbers. Ooh, complicated. Yes. If at any time you run into 11, 22, and some sources were saying 33, okay. and some sources were saying any repeating, repeating number, but definitely 11 and 22 okay. from my understanding, Okay, you do not combine those into a root number until the very end because those are master numbers which hold their own meaning. All right. Exactly. We're going to use me as an example because, of course, I had complications and I had master numbers because I'm the fucking master. All right. (laughs) For example, my birthday is January 28th, 1993. So you have 1-28-1993. Right. When you break that down and add them according Mm -hmm. to, you know, you get 1-1-22. Oh, boy. 22 is a master number, like I said. So you don't break that down to the very end. Mm Mm-hmm. So 1 plus 1 plus 22 is 24. 2 plus 4 is 6. Therefore, my life path number is 6. Okay. Okay. Are wow. We, are all we right. all following? I, I am gotcha. going to, as always, put my resources in the, mm-hmm. uh, you know, on our website. Mm-hmm. So I will put, like, you can go online and have someone calculate it for oh, you. Okay. <laughs> like a cool. life path number calculator nice. if you don't like 
any kind of math, mm-hmm. even if it's simple. So go find that on our website if you're interested. All right. So now we understand basics of numerology and we understand life path numbers. Got it. Let's talk about Jimi Hendrix and his life path number. Ooh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so we said that Jimmy was born on November 27th, 1942. Yes. When you break that down and calculate his life path number, you get a nine. And nine seems to be a repeating number in Jimi Hendrix's life. So not only is it his life path number, but it's a recurring number like we talked about earlier. Oh, cool. Okay, so he died at the age of 27, Mm -hmm. seven plus two, nine. Nine. He died on September 18th. So September is the ninth month, 18th, eight plus one is nine. Yeah. All right. And I was even reading, and who actually knows if this is real, but I was reading... Multiple sources say that he took nine sleeping pills the night of his death because he, like, oh. believed in the number nine. Okay. And so it was kind of a thing for him. Like, yeah. I do a lot of things according to eight. Yeah. And, and so his was nine, from oh my, my understanding. Gosh. And that was his life path number. So nine is a number of completion, right? So you have one through nine. It is mm-hmm. the end. Mm-hmm. And it is known as the creative humanitarian number. Oh, And yeah. from my understanding... It is associated with fire and Leo, okay. but he's a Sagittarius. He's a fire right. sign. And right. it's really interesting because the description ver- is very much fire to me. Yeah. So nines are extremely compassionate. They feel things very deeply. A nine's goal is to make the world a better place with their energy and to inspire others. Like Ooh. I said, humanitarian number. Yeah. Uh, They are natural healers. They are very wise because they hold the elements of numbers one through eight. Oh, because they are the end. Isn't that neat? Yeah. Uh, Very spiritual, intuitive. They are known as the dreamers. Oh, wow. They are always looking ahead. They are charismatic. Oh, my. God, you're looking at me like, bitch, <laughs> get it together. Not enough coffee in the world today. We need an IV line. Oh, my God. Charismatic. There we go, Lee. Um, And they coolly go with the flow. Like, they're just kind of, oh, you know what I mean? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Nine is said to signify natural talent and skill. And they are known to be very stylish and eccentric. Oh, that's so cool. Isn't that fun? Wow. Uh, the number of the creative, many musicians, artists, etc., have a nine life path number. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. I love when it comes together like this. I know. Isn't it cool? Mm-hmm. It is an intense number that brings great success, but can also bring great emotional struggles, obstacles, and sacrifices. Mm. So recurring nines are calling on you to use your talents to help other people. And doesn't everything I just said like totally sum up Jimi Hendrix? Yes. I think that oh that my is gosh. so cool. That is so cool. Wow. So, so neat. So I have to say I was inspired by what is turning out to be like my Bible, and it's that book, Take a Walk on the Dark Side, that mm-hmm. we've mentioned a lot. And in it is a chapter called If Six Was Nine, where he goes into Jimi Hendrix in the number nine. Oh, that's so, so cool. thank you to that. Obviously, I'll link that too. But isn't that super interesting? I That is so cool. Yeah. Yeah. I was wondering how you were getting from point A to point B. Yeah. So when I originally said, so obviously I've been looking through that book since I was little, and I mm-hmm. knew that there was a chapter called if six was nine and i did think there was a little more meat to like mm-hmm. Jimi hendrix and numerology and that's why i picked this but right. i do think that you know we talk a lot about movies and i'm sure there are a ton of movies out there that mm-hmm. you could connect to numerology oh, yeah but i wanted to talk about Jimi hendrix for a while because to me he is just magical and so yes. is his music and yep. what he did for the world with his music and his gift is so magical. So I wanted to get him in here and I thought that that was a cool tie. I love that. Um, so here are my side notes. Oh, yay. Um, some of my sources were saying that the number nine does appear as a life path number for people that seem to die tragically and really? young. Yeah, so that seems to be a recurring thing. Um, Kurt Cobain also has a number nine life path. That's funny you say that because I was going to say I thought John Lennon was. um, I have that written on here. I don't know if it was. Yes. Yes. I don't know if his life path number was nine. I didn't investigate, but it said like the next in that chapter in that book, Mm -hmm. it goes into John Lennon and the number nine. Yeah. So there was some kind of connection there. Um, The numerology of the 27 Club. Remember when I did and I. Brought it up briefly. I think we might have to dive into that later. Oh, really? Because, yeah, there's like a whole numerology thing going on with like everyone in the 27 Club. Oh, wow. So I'm excited to dive into that. 
Um, like we said, go and check out the Mopop exhibit if you can. Yes. Um, yeah, that's pretty much what I have, man. Uh, that would be the number one. Well, actually, it, it was when we moved here and you found out there was a pop culture museum. Oh, my You're God. like, number one stop. Number one stop. Yeah. Yeah. And it's I, Seattle is like busting at the seams with creative talent mm-hmm. that like so much talent has come out of here. Yeah. And so you get to go and see and they have like handwritten lyrics from him. Oh, they have the gosh, guitar yeah. that he played at Woodstock. Yeah. yeah. I, I just, it's really it's cool. gorgeous. Yeah. So he is very inspiring. I was happy to get him in here and I think numerology is really cool. It's like a mind melter for me. I'm like, yes. oh my God, it's not like my gift per yes. se. Well, we talked about that because you were both very visual people. Very. So that's where the color Yes. Comes in yes. and the color theory and the color this magic. This is very mental. Very mental. Yeah. yeah. And <laughs> yeah. And we know I don't like numbers. I'm thinking of the movie A Beautiful Mind. <laughs> you know, and it's like numbers floating around. Exactly. And that's why I didn't want to pick like a movie that did mm-hmm. that because this is already kind of yeah. a confusing topic for me. So I wanted to kind of work it in there in a little more, you know, mm-hmm. cool way. Yeah. And, you know, who's cooler that. than fucking Jimi Hendrix? Ain't nobody cooler than Jimi Hendrix. Right? So love that. That is Jimi Hendrix in numerology. I love that. I love that so much. What's funny is my topic. We're gonna have some crossovers, oh, are you and serious? it's so funny. How? I, and we do not do this on purpose. I swear, guys. How? I absolutely swear. I am gonna lose my cool card here. I think. Oh no. So when I first sat down to think of my topic, I wanted to do something fun or funny, yeah. right? And of course. One of my favorite movies, they're all my favorite movies, (laughs) but one of my favorites is um, Young Frankenstein. You do. You love that movie. I love that movie. And so I was going to do that. And then I thought, how in the world am I going to do that? When we haven't even touched on the Frankenstein myth. I, I'm shocked that we haven't yet. I can't believe it. So A lot of people have requested it. Yeah. yeah. And so we are going to talk about... Frankenstein. Oh, I'm so excited. The 1931. Whoa. We're going way back, yeah, but it's are. important that we start with that. That's the original, right? Nice, yes. Um, it's considered science fiction okay. slash horror, yes. but not initially because the horror genre did not enter the lexicon until 1934. Whoa. Okay. Yeah. So... There you go. There's some food for thought. There you I go. don't think I realized that. Right. I'm going to have to go investigate. Go that. investigate that. Uh, this movie is just a little over an hour long. Really? Yeah. Huh. Okay. Cute. Right? Uh, the budget was $262,000 and the box office across the board, 12 mil. Whoa. Mm-hmm. Directed by James Whale, adapted from the 1927 play by Peggy Webling. And based on the 1818 novel by Mary Shelley. 1818, okay, right? Love that. Entitled Frankenstein or the modern day Prometheus. Mm. So then I was like, I know you're gonna ask me. I was. Who is Prometheus? Prometheus and so, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, uh, you know, the abridged the cliff notes. Uh, he's a Greek god of fire okay. and associated with the creation of mortals. Really? Yeah. Okay, very cool. Right? Yeah. So this was considered a commercial and critical success, uh, and this movie started it all. It was very pivotal in solidifying the Frankenstein creature as a staple in pop culture history. Yes. So let's talk about <gasps> why. Oh, my God, I'm so excited. You know I love spooky shit. I know. Oh, my God. Okay. So the cast, Colin Clive plays Henry Frankenstein. Fritz is Dwight Fry. Elizabeth is Mae Clark. Victor Moritz is John Bowles. Little Maria is played by Marilyn Harris. And the creature, of course, is played by Boris Karloff. (gasps) The Boris Karloff. The Boris Karloff. So I'm sure most people are familiar with this tale, so we're just going to go through it real quick. Okay. Uh, At the beginning of the film, we see a man step out from behind a curtain telling you a little bit about the movie. Okay. And he's like saying, what you are about to see is, you know, it's going to scare the pants off you. I love those. Right? Yeah. And then proceeds to state, 
that you have been warned. Dun, 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 dun. Cut to a funeral in a creepy cemetery with this really funny statue of like the Grim Reaper. The Grim Reaper. <laughs> <laughs> it's your turn. More coffee. <laughs> the Grim Reaper, like standing beside this gravestone. And it's like, who dies and says, yeah, I'd really like a life-size statue of the Grim Reaper. Me. No. <laughs> Um, and then behind this fence, we see Dr. Frankenstein and Fritz lurking. And they're waiting for the gravedigger to finish burying the person. Okay. And when he leaves, they go and dig him up. What the right? fuck? Okay. And it's so funny because there must have been nothing in this coffin because they, you know, fling it like a matchstick. Oh. <laughs> and he's like, Dr. Frankenstein is like, he's just resting. <laughs> oh, my God. So if you don't know the tale of Dr. Frankenstein, he has this idea to create life from death mm-hmm. by reanimating a creature that he has created out of scraps of a deceased, like deceased human beings. Right. Um, and he's considered a mad scientist. Yeah. Right? Yeah. The last thing he needs is a fresh brain. And so he sends Fritz to the medical school lab to steal one. Nice. And he drops the good brain. Oh, no. <laughs> and returns with the abnormal brain. Oh, no. But he doesn't tell Frankenstein, right? He's like, I'm just going to try to slip this under the radar here. (laughs) Hopefully no one notices. (laughs) So they set up shop in this old abandoned windmill that is really creepy looking and iconic. And then we have the iconic scene where all the electrical currents are buzzing and the storm is brewing. And he lifts the creature up to the sky. Iconic. Right? Uh, To be charged by the electrical current. And as the creature descends, he starts to move, Mm. which prompts another iconic line. It's It's alive. alive. And then he states he now knows what it's like to be God. Mm. And for that reason and one other, this movie was banned in a lot of places. Oh, for Pete's sake. Yeah. So... Get over it. No, I'm just <laughs> Get over it. Uh, it has now come to light that the creature did not receive the correct brain and is not of the highest intelligence. Oh. Uh, this upsets Dr. Frankenstein as he can't seem to teach or control the creature. They chain him up and they are not nice to him. No. And it is heartbreaking. Um, he's very afraid of fire and he <sighs> breaks free of the chains, kills Fritz. And eventually escapes. And Dr. Frankenstein's like, you know what? I'm just going to peace out and go back to my ritzy life with my fiance and get married. And hey, forget about this dude, right? Fuck you, pal. I know. In a very tender scene that goes terribly awry, we see the creature enjoying the sunshine when he happens upon a little girl named Maria. Mm. She's like not afraid of him. And she asks him to play and gives him a bunch of daisies. He smiles and we see that he is happy. And they start throwing the daisies into the water, and they're floating. And he's having a good time until he runs out of daisies. And then he thinks, well, this is fun, and he likes Maria, so what if he throws her in the water, and will she float like the daisies? Stop that right now. Stop it. (laughs) Unfortunately, Maria does not float. Oh, my God. (laughs) And when he realizes that, he runs away. He's devastated. And he's scared. Right. Yeah. Okay. You didn't – I listen – I'm not emotionally, (laughs) I can't handle this. (laughs) So poor, I wouldn't have brought it up if it wasn't important, but poor Maria drowns. He runs away, but this prompts the townspeople to then go after him with the iconic torches. Hmm. He attempts to find his creator and shows up at his home on the day of his wedding and scares the poor bride half to death. They chase him to the old windmill where he has absconded with the creator, Dr. Frankenstein, who eventually escapes. The creature is trapped in the windmill as the townspeople burn it down. And it's like, oh, it's so sad because he's so afraid of the fire. It's so sad. Don't. Every time I see Frankenstein, like, he's always been, like, my favorite universal right. monster. And, like, remember the Monster Squad? Mm-hmm. They capture that really well. Like, that, yeah. like, innocence of Frankenstein. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It hurts. I know. It's so sad. So I, I was telling Jake earlier, I have not, like, I don't know much about Frankenstein. Yeah. Because literally for me as a kid, if it didn't have Vincent Price in it. You weren't watching I wasn't, it. you know. Right. So, but now I think he's going to become one of my favorites. Oh, yes. More. So Henry and Maria marry and live happily ever after. Right. You're, okay. Cool. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. So good for you, buddy. <laughs> good for you, yeah. buddy. You ass. All right. So, a couple fun facts. Love. 
In the novel, the creature is well-proportioned, intelligent, and has gorgeous black hair. The monster in the movie does not resemble the novel's creature. Interesting. In the movie, the monster's makeup was created by makeup artist Jack Pierce, Uh and he created the iconic look, which is now pretty much synonymous with the monster that we own now. 100%. Right. Um, We collectively have come to recognize the flat head, the droopy eyelids, the green makeup, the Mm. bolts in the side of the neck, and his poorly fitted suit. These were all Pierce's creation. And the design is under copyright by Universal until 2026. Wow. And all licensing is under Universal Licensing. Wow, wow. Inc. Nice. Yeah. So, Boris Karloff, by all accounts, was pretty much a late bloomer to the Hollywood scene. Okay. Um, And this role solidified him as a star. Up until that point, he had only had bit parts. Really? Yeah. Okay. And we hadn't seen much of him. Um, and it wasn't until this movie, he was actually 44 when he made this movie. Oh, shit. So okay, cool. definitely a late movie. Or, I mean, a late movie. A late bloomer. <laughs> Way to drag him. A late, yeah. <laughs> uh, the character was first offered to Bella Lugosi. Okay. Who turned it down, which they say, some, some people say that that was the, the worst decision, decision he could have made for really? his career. But it definitely changed Boris Karloff's Good life. Good for Boris. But the filming was pretty grueling. The costume weighed like 48 pounds. The shoes were 13 pounds each. The fuck? What were they platforms? They were a specific shoe that like uh, people that, I don't know, worked in like laying down pavement and stuff would wear to tamp down the pavement. So they were like really heavy. Heavy. Yeah. Jeez. And last fun fact, apparently there is a very rare movie poster out there that shows Boris Karloff scaring Elizabeth the fiance that is worth at least $600,000 and is considered the most valuable movie poster out there. I have to have it. There's only one known to exist. I need to have it. And it is held by a private collector. God damn it. Damn it. Fuck you. No. All right. (laughs) Give it to me. So what is my lesson today? I don't know. What is it? Right. So I wanted to talk about the novel and Mary Shelley. Okay. Do it, girl. All right, so this book was written by Mary Shelley at the age of 18. 18? Can you believe it? No, I can't. Wow. There are a lot of nines. Yeah. Yeah, that is. Did, when You're did she right. write it? Eh, what did I say? 18, 18, 18. 18. Yeah, nine and nine, right? Yeah. Which would be 18, which would be nine. <gasps> Oh, I'm getting the hang of this numerology shit. We are fucking numerologists. We're quitting this podcast. We will see you later. Hang Thank out. you and good night. I'm hanging out my shingle. No. Oh my God. But she wrote it at 18. That's yes. another nine. Oh, that's so Whoa. crazy. Uh, so many quinky dinks. Okay. All right. So Mary was born Mary Goodwin to spectacularly brilliant parents. Okay. Okay. Her childhood was filled with reading and imagination and interesting people. Love. Okay. So her father, William Goodwin, was a political philosopher and considered one of the most radical free thinkers of his time. Cool. Okay. Okay. He was also a forefather of the anarchist movement. Well, shit. Mm -hmm. I'm going to give you some nuggets to put in your cap. Give me a nugget. And then think of how the novel, you know, unfolds. Okay. Um, Her father suffered from a rare condition known as narcolepsy. Mm -hmm. I have a fear of drowning in my soup. Okay, sorry, sorry. I had to say it. I had to say it. Which would like sometime cause him to just fall asleep at the dinner table. Right. right? And he, it appeared like he was dead. And then all of a sudden he would wake back up. Uh, Get that? The nugget is, Right. And so she witnessed that like very often through her childhood. Yeah. Right? Her mother was Mary Wollstonecraft, who was an educated writer and philosopher in a time when there were not very women who were educated or writers. Right, right. That was very rare. Good for you, girl. She is considered one of the first female feminists. Really? Yes. And her book, The Vindication of the Rights of Women, is still regarded as important by the feminist movement today. What? Yeah. Okay. I had absolutely no idea. Right. Sadly, she died 11 days after giving birth to Mary, Mm -hmm. and this would have a huge effect on Mary in her life. Sure it did. Despite that, her home was always filled with the intellectual elite, scientists, politics, artists, you know, that is cool. So she was just like they would come over for dinner and she would just like absorb, soak it, soak it, up. Soak it all up. 
Um, at the age of 16, she meets and begins a relationship with Percy Shelley. What? <laughs> they said uh, in my you reading, just sounded I know. like Cardi B. Hold Did on. I? We have to play what? You went out. <laughs> oh, I'm going to make that my ringtone. <laughs> Sometimes the things that come out of my mouth, I don't know. the cutest thing in the world. Okay, go ahead. Well, you know, he was described as literally the whole package, right? He was handsome. He was intelligent. He was interested in science. And he was a poet. And although her dad had pretty liberal views, he did not approve of this relationship. Oh, shit. Okay. And when Mary ran off with Percy, he permanently disowns Mary. Okay, you have to give me a warning before you're going to, like, you know, that's really sad. That is very sad. So Percy and Mary touch down in Lake Geneva in Switzerland, where they suffer the loss of their firstborn daughter, Clara. All right. All right. Okay. So, like, (laughs) put all these nuggets into your hat, right? So also at this time, they're hobnobbing with artist elites, including famous poet who's considered a celebrity at this time. An extraordinaire okay. um, of his day, Lord Byron. What, am I supposed to know who that is? Well, yeah. yeah. Well, oh, you're okay. look him up. You're, like, <laughs> you're a fucking dumbass. No. <laughs> I don't know who that is. So they would have parties and stuff okay. all the time, and they would sit around and tell ghost stories. Oh, right? I love a ghost story. So one night, Lord Byron says, hey, I'm going to propose this literary challenge. All right. How about we all come up with a ghost story, and then we'll sit around and, you know. Okay, I want we'll friends share like them. this. I know, right? Yeah. Over a fire, a crackling fire. We'll share ghost stories. That's like my dream. I know, right? They're like, okay, this sounds great. And Mary Shelley is having a really hard time coming up with the story. I mean, for heaven's sake, she's like she's 18. She's put on the spot. I know, okay. she's like 18. Come yeah. on. So she wants to write about the mysterious fears of our human nature. Okay. Right? And she's really struggling. And then one night, the story comes to her in a dream. Nuh-uh. Yeah. Oh, my mm-hmm. God. Mm-hmm. I love that. And most people don't realize the importance of this novel, but Dr. Frankenstein's monster was the very first monster of science, and it is the seed from which modern science fiction grew. Oh, my God. I mean, I think I, like, that's not surprising, but I don't think I knew yeah, that. Right? But I knew that it carried a lot of weight. Yeah, I had no idea. Wow. So in the novel, Victor Frankenstein, he's portrayed as a handsome and talented medical student, not a mad scientist. Okay. um, That he's most often associated with. He's searching for the secret of life by creating a complete human from reassembled body parts. Okay. Okay. And this sounds... Weird, okay, right? right? Like who, who, like who ha- comes up with that in their mind? But it would make complete sense because in the early nineteenth century, science was consumed by the study of the human body. Okay, and it was often a common thing for grave robbers, usually medical students, to go and steal bodies and bring them back to their teachers. They would get paid and then use the bodies in anatomical study. Okay, we don't like that. Right? But yeah. But you think of all these right. people sitting around her dinner table, all of this knowledge she's soaking in, it wouldn't have been a far Odd. fetch. Gotcha, right. gotcha. So Victor becomes known as a mad scientist because he is driven by creative madness for a positive outcome that goes terribly wrong because he's trying to create outside the realm of possibility. Right. Like he's trying to do something that Can't like be done. you shouldn't be right. tampering with, right? Yeah. If you don't want to mess with that Mac Daddy. Right. So Mary Shelley was always fascinated by the birth death, you know, okay. obviously given, you know, what had happened to her in yeah. her life and the tragedies that befell her, her mom, her baby. Yeah. So then she ends up creating and giving life to this story, right? Ouch, mom, that's beautiful. Isn't that right? So other themes of the day that would tie into the novel, Mm -hmm. um, engineers and their inventions of the first automatrons. And we've talked about them before where they're creating um, like humans out of machines. Right. Right. Um, So at the time, the thought process was that the body was a machine and could be broken down into pieces and analyzed. Mm. And so they created these mechanical humans, and with the help of surgeons, they tried to create the functions of the human body. Hmm. Yeah. Very weird. 
Right. I mean, it's like so interesting, but right. yeah, that's very interesting. And then also at the time, electricity is pretty new, okay. right? It's at the forefront. Scientists are just learning how energy works. Right. And so we're seeing, we're seeing all, all this. Come into it play. all comes into play. The first experiments in reviving dead animals with electric current goes back as early as 1790. And they use Mm -hmm. like a frog and like, you know, they're using and his legs move. Mm -hmm. And I'm not even going to go into it, this documentary that I watched, but how progressively Mm -hmm. that um, played into like up until then in 1803, they like use a human. And I'm not going to go in. I don't want to (laughs) go into it, but like so it twitches and spasms. And it's important because one eye opens okay. like when they do this experiment and it becomes very similar to the creation scene in the novel. Oh. And so again, so she was intelligent. She was very intelligent. Yeah. Yes. So her book creates a modern day myth, Yeah, which is the reassembled man. And so when you look through the history and I encourage you to go, it's a fascinating and just not enough time to go into all of it, but where science went through the, you know, through these decades, yeah. like, you know, up to the point, like we have transplants right, and, you right. know, but a lot of these scientists, like he had real, like Frank, Dr. Frankenstein had real life counterparts, you know, out oh. there. And I'm not going to go into it, but, and they actually quoted the novel, you know what I mean? So they were like using it as yes. like a, oh, interesting. Yes. Isn't that, it's so interesting. Wow. Um, so when the creature finally comes to life, Dr. Frankenstein is horrified by what he has created. Okay. okay. So even though the body is a wonderful specimen, not like we see in the movie, there's nothing behind the eyes. They're dead. And so it sickens him more so by what he's done. Like he realizes that he it's crossed a boundary right. and then that in turn makes the creature hideous. And he kind of abandon, abandons. abandons the creature. Yeah. Um, so they're saying that that's the key takeaway of the entire novel, beginning to end, the middle, is you have this creature that is created and then rejected by his father. And there's an absence of a mother. So there's no mother, right? Yeah. Oh, no. I know, <laughs> and right? she was abandoned by her father. We're going to get, I mean, that, yeah, I mean, this all ties in. So in 1818, nobody had read this novel, right? Because one, it's expensive to print. It was really just an elite, you know, for an elite group of people. So nobody had read it. But in 1823, a play appears. Okay. And it's a huge hit. The Frankenstein play. Three years later, there are actually eight plays going on at the same time in London, all competing about Frankenstein. Fun. And this is where Hollywood comes in and adapts from the novel, but more so from the play. Oh, I see. And the monster we know today is the invention of Hollywood and not the novel. Hmm, okay. So the creature of the novel is much more intelligent and capable of reasoning, and he takes refuge in the forest when Dr. Frankenstein abandons him. And he begins to evolve. Okay. Okay. Um, One day he sees his reflection in the water and is horrified by what he sees because all who encounter him find him hideous and believe him to be evil. And so part of the lesson is that he was born a loving spirit, but humanity turned him into a monster. Okay. Yeah. So he was corrupted by how humans viewed him and how he was rejected, which becomes part of him and then makes him like right, evil. Right. His gentleness is it makes gone. Him the monster. And he embraces what society had made him. Oh my gosh. Okay. So consumed with loneliness, he tries to return to his maker, Dr. Frankenstein, for solace. Right? Mm-hmm. So we have the rejected child who wants to know, why did you create me if only to abandon me? Oh, shit. Okay. I've done everything I was supposed to do, and I still am rejected. Right? Oh, no. So hearkening back to Mary's mom and what she wrote in The Vindication of the Rights of Women, she states that the greater part of the horrors in this world, which stalk the world in hideous form, comes down to the negligence of parents. Harsh. 
Whoa. Do you yeah. see the tears welling in my eyes? Yeah. <laughs> we yeah. have talked a lot about yeah. that subject. Yeah. We yeah. have. We really have. So the novel is very autobiographical for Mary Shelley. Oh, wow. And in fact, the book is dedicated to her father. No, don't. Wait, don't. wait. Yep. Which many take to mean that she thought herself to be a neglected, abandoned child by her father. Yeah, right? (laughs) Um, In the end, the creature kills Frankenstein's fiance. So not like in the movie where they Uh live happily ever after. He says, if you don't love me, I'm going to basically take what you love. Uh And he kills her on their wedding night. Okay. And with nothing left to live for, then Dr. Frankenstein attempts to kill the monster, only to be killed himself by the monster, who then disappears into the darkness. Wow. Yeah. So the novel begs the question that we as a society cross lines between creator and what is created that should not be crossed. Damn. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Isn't that fascinating? It's fascinating. And you took me on a journey there. I was like, I went from young Frankenstein. But I do think that that's really beautiful, though, like. And it's kind of like what we were talking about with Jimi Hendrix. Like, this is why I love pop culture and books and movies and art. Like, that she was exploring her own trauma. Yeah. And look at what she created and gave the world. At the age of 18. Like, yeah. from that pain, like, she literally added so much to pop culture. And, oh, my gosh. And horror as we know it. Like, yes. she literally defined. That's, yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. And I think a lot of people don't associate you know, um, the novel, they just right. look more to the Hollywood, which right. is why I was like, there is so much just on her in the novel. I could have just done that as a topic, but most people know right. the movie right. or movies, which were a result of the original, original 1931. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. 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 Okay. I'm like, I'm feeling inspired. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. It's heavy. It is. It's a heavy topic. But I mean, we all have trauma. Right. Mm-hmm. And so like I don't I don't know. I think that people that can weave it into something like that and and explore their own boundaries and their trauma yeah. through and, and create just something so yeah. beautiful. And then she's using all of the hot topics of the day and well, incorporating yeah. that in like it's all pieces of what she learned from can, different people. Can you imagine and, having that intelligence at eighteen? Girl, the shit I was doing at eighteen, no. <laughs> Absolutely not. Let me write this novel. Oh my god, no! I was it a came to me in a dream. Hot mess at eighteen. Yeah, that's that's really cool. Which is interesting that there's a correlation there because you deal with a lot of your trauma through dreams. I and do. That is what exactly what happened to her? And out came. And that's what I read yeah. about Jimi Hendrix. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the way he. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I said. That's it correlated wild. And again. Then the number nine. Yeah. That's fucking weird, man. Yeah. 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 Wow. I that I think that is my favorite topic you have ever done. Really? I loved that. So the novel continues, you know, there's more to the novel, which will take us into The Bride of Frankenstein. So this just opens the door oh my God, yes. for this mythology. Lore, I like I love that. So good, right? That I was so inspiring. Again, I didn't go into this. I think we talked this morning. I said I went into this thinking, oh, this is, you know, we're just going to be like lesson, a little yeah. lesson on horror movie and Frankenstein. But, whoa. Wow. I was blown away. Blown away. Like, and like, go read about her mother. Yeah. Holy shit. Oh, my god. Fascinating. Wow. And her contribution in her short life. Like, she was 38 when she passed away. But her contribution to the women's right, the right. feminist movement crazy and like her backstory of what she endured with her family and how then she became to be the first feminist freaking awesome wow 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 i am like blown away i don't Mm -hmm. even know i did not know any of that no Um, i've always loved frankenstein but i mean i'll totally admit like i haven't read the book i always Mm -hmm. knew like you Mm -hmm. know i'm a horror movie girl so my you know knowledge was obviously from the film yeah right so i didn't know any of that i think that that is Really fascinating. Fascinating. Wow. Now a new favorite monster. Oh my god! I'm gonna go cry and watch everything Frankenstein and get him tattooed on me. And wow. I'm just gonna go all in. I know. That right. was really beautiful, gorgeous, Laura. and I loved yours. I thought this was a great episode. Yeah, I mean, both of our topics. It just speaks to like the power of art in mm-hmm. any form. It really mm-hmm. does, and how it can reach people. And you know, you can. I don't know. You can yeah. just get in touch with yourself on a deeper level and yeah. leave something beautiful out of something not so beautiful. Right. I mean, that's just really 
my yeah. God. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So I got most of my information from a documentary called The Strange Life of Dr. Frankenstein. I encourage wow. you to go watch it. It was fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. I will 100% do that. Yeah. So good. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Laura. Wonderful. And thank you. Oh my gosh. No. Go listen to Jimi Hendrix and go <laughs> watch, some Frankenstein. watch some Frankenstein. Read yeah. the book. I think I want to read the book now. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Wow. Thank you. Yes. Top. Woo, girl. That was beautiful. Right. All right. Well, with that, I think it's time for Killer Quotes of the Week. All right. All right, mine is, I've got my own life to live. I'm the one that's going to have to die when it's time for me to die, so let me live my life. Jimi Hendrix from If Six Was Nine. I love that. Yeah, it's good. It wasn't me. I'm like, thank you. (laughs) Thank you. You, Thank you for sharing that. uh, You are welcome. (laughs) Mine is really simple today because I don't think I could do a Frankenstein without It's Alive. It's Alive. Oh, my God. That's perfect. Wow. That might go down as one of my favorite episodes. Seriously. It's a good one. I liked that. Unexpected. Yes, exactly. I love when that happens. (sighs) All right. I'm feeling expired. I meant to say I'm feeling inspired, but then said expired. Which Let me just, give you a jolt of electricity and reanimate. Oh, my God, which just makes so much sense. No, I am feeling inspired, and I yes. hope all of you are, too. And yes. Wow. Awesome. All right. Well, with that, we will see you next week. Yes, TTFN. All right. Cut, print, check the gate. Moving on. <laughs>